Welcome back to the Young Turks. Uh, I'm your host, Jane Huger. Progressives versus everybody. Okay, uh, so we got a great interview coming up for you guys now, and then we're gonna do Ask Me Anything. Uh, and uh, members get to ask those questions. And then afterwards, uh, at 8 o'clock Pacific, yes, 11 o'clock Eastern, we will be covering Beto O'Rourke's town hall. So we'll give you all the highlights and break it down for you guys, because we never leave. Uh, we're always here. Um, and uh, and then I think Anna told you guys we're launched on Pluto uh, today uh, as a 24 hour uh, channel. Definitely check that out. Uh, we're also on Roku and Zumo. Uh, that, that also got launched. Not a big deal. Also, YouTube TV, kind of a 24 hour channel uh, everywhere. Okay, let's keep going. All right, joining me now, uh, presidential candidate. Ben Glebe, how you doing, Ben? Good, good to see you, Jay. Good to see you. Okay, so Ben, you're a comedian, so that's a fact. And in fact, TBS has called you one of the funniest comedians working today. And you've won like a thousand awards. I'm not and participated in a million things. I'm not going to get into it, okay? But you've been all over television. Yes, totally agree. So obviously, the first question you're going to get when you're running for president is, "Are you serious?" I'm 100% serious, it's a fair question, obviously, because my life has been about making people laugh. But when our president became the biggest joke in the country, I realized that we all have to step up and do our part. And I had to shift even my comedy to the much more serious, higher purpose of comedy is holding truth to power and making sure that we stand up for what America is. And so I'd been doing that already. And when I got a death threat at a show in Illinois from a Trump supporter, Instead of cowering down, it's what made me start thinking that I need to run the response to that video and to what I said about it online. And people saying thank you for standing up for our democracy just started making me think that we need to make sure we beat Trump as our highest priority. And I'm not at all confident that any of the candidates in the race now can do that. I don't know that they have the skills to take on the biggest trash talker in political history, and I can. I've been dealing with jerk hecklers for 19 years, and I wanted to you know, put my career aside for a minute and see what I could do to help our democracy. So sometimes people call him King Troll, but uh-huh. he's also in a sense King Heckler. I mean, Big that's time. basically what he's been doing for the entire time that he's been famous. You know, heckling Rosie O'Donnell and picking all these weird fights with celebrities just to get attention. And then he did it on the political level, and next thing you know, he's president. So, um, Buttigieg was on Fox News the other day, mm-hmm. and he did a town hall. And when they asked him about the tweets, he said, "No, I'm not going to respond to those. You have to be above the fray." Being above the fray didn't really seem to work for the Republicans running against him or the Democrat running against him. So, how would you counterattack? So I completely disagree with what Mayor Pete said, and he's a really nice young kid. But somehow I'm the, not the youngest in this race either, which makes me feel very validated. Um, I love Michelle Obama. I disagree with when they go low, we go high. I say when they go low, it's a great chance to step on them. And make sure <laughs> there you go. That's my kind of guy. Yeah, we must not be, we don't have time for politeness right now. Our values are being eroded. Truth is leaving the world as a concept. And chaos comes from that. And authoritarianism comes from that. And so I would counter it by using his own tactics, but much harder. He's the heckler, I'm the comedian, comedians always win. I've never been defeated by hecklers, so I would call him nicknames. He's crybaby Donnie, he's traitorous Trump. He is a man that is all about his ego, so you need to hit his ego and you need to make sure that he feels small and is done as publicly as possible. And I assure you, if we ended up in a debate one-on-one, he would look very stupid. Well, first of all, I. 
I've never believed the candidate more than I believe you on that statement. Thank you okay. very much. Uh, and, uh, and, and secondly, it is quite amazing that no Democrat has embarrassed him yet. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy waiting to be embarrassed. His whole, his whole existence is embarrassing. And they validate his existence by not, by not calling him out for the complete joke and clown and horrible poison that he is, they validate him and that becomes the new normal. And that's also why I'm running because no candidate is making clear the urgency. They're running like a traditional campaign. They're running like it's any election and it is not. We're facing the rise of an authoritarian dictator in our midst who also is more nefarious because he does it in these like funny trolly Twitter ways. It has to be stopped and taken so seriously. So it's great if we can debate all the traditional progressive ideas and we will and I do as well. But if we end up losing again, what's the point of it? Yeah, and it, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've got folks chanting in the streets, the Jews will not replace us. We've got Trump saying that all my political opponents should be arrested, including yeah. my, like at this point, Joe Biden is, is leading on the Democratic side. And Trump is literally talking about arresting Joe Biden and his son. I mean, that's what dictators do. And everybody's like, oh, like, oh, we'll just run a normal campaign. Oh, I'll be above the fray of the tweets and stuff. No, you guys are crazy. So it's in terms of attitude, I, I agree with you 100%. So let's talk about the rest of the media for a second, and then I'm gonna go to your policies. Because there's one in particular that I love, sure, okay? Thanks. And then I think that everybody's gonna love. Sure. Um, so uh, is I, I get it, they're probably thinking like, well, look, your job is to not be taken seriously, like literally, right? So do they know that you're running a serious campaign? And and have how have they responded to you? The mainstream media? Yeah. They, we're telling them that we're running a serious campaign. They are not taking it seriously. It's very frustrating. Um, a comedian's job is to be silly and funny, but it's not just to not be taken seriously. It depends what your jokes are. You know, Dick Gregory ran for president and got a million votes and was a very serious civil rights leader. Um, George Carlin was somebody who spoke truth to power. Bill Hicks, somebody that challenged our system through his comedy. So comedy is both of those. John, nobody would say John Stewart's not to be taken seriously or John Oliver or Samantha Bee or Bill Maher. They're saying very important, very serious things in our political dialogue. And so it's very small and short-sighted of the media to not be acknowledging the importance that comedy plays in our society right now, not to mention that I haven't just been that. I'm one of the only comedians that has spent over a decade as a political commentator, as a pundit. I've been on here many times. I've been on CNN many times, yet now they won't have me on. I've been on Fox News and gone into the belly of the beast and called them out on their hypocrisy on their own network. I just spoke truth to power at the Sony Investment Conference the other day in front of all the biggest Wall Street investors in the world. I'm gonna be releasing that video in the next few days. I have, a tr I was on NPR for years. I have a track record of speaking out on issues. I've dedicated my podcast for seven years, which sounds small, but it's not small because that's how young people listen to media and the news. And I've dedicated it in not a cool way of just talking to celebrities. I dedicated it to getting people who'd never cared about the news to care about it by making it funny and speaking in dirty ways sometimes and making it gritty in ways that appeal to people so they wake up. Yeah, That's what our goal has been. And they have not been respecting us. I, I literally had a message from one of the big bookers at CNN that said, we take politics seriously here at CNN. Excuse me, no you don't, you put Trump in office. All the mainstream networks gave him airtime anytime you said a stupid, ridiculous thing, yet now someone's challenging it and you're not giving it any airtime, but instead giving all of your airtime to just the next congressman that runs, that's running on one issue or has no chance to win or people acknowledge even on the news, it's a vanity campaign, but let's see what he has to say. Well, mine's not a vanity, I'm already in the public eye. 
I'm already seen by millions of people and sometimes 30 people when I do stand up. <laughs> and and I don't need the eyeballs. I already have a very fun, cushy life in the in when I get to perform and at least it's not stressful. It's hard to pay bills because comics don't get paid well, but I don't need to take on the weight of the world. I'm doing it because I'm more serious than anything. A lot of these joker politicians who are just doing it to raise their profile are the ones you shouldn't be putting on the air and questioning. So it's incredibly, and another person at CNN said that this is very off brand for us. What is? I, I, don't, I, I don't know what that means. The news shouldn't have a brand. The news should report what happens. Uh-huh. So you should need to, I'm just waiting for them to have me on in a way. Fox Business News is the only mainstream place that's had me on so far, Stuart Varney. And he misframed the way I, he said that I was a compassionate socialist. I'm not a columnist of a compassionate capitalist. That's the system I believe we need to live under. And they, I was driving there to be introduced as presidential candidate. And then in the car on the way there, as I'm approaching the studio, they called and said, just so you know, we're not introducing you as presidential candidate. They do not, so I made yeah, sure I turned the yeah. tables on the air. So look, you're in a unique situation because you're a comic. But on the other hand, you're describing the number one problem with mainstream media, which is that they don't believe in outsiders. They believe in insiders. So they 100%. take Amy Klobuchar so seriously. Right. And they've given her millions of dollars in free media, and she's still pulling at 1%. She's deeply not unpopular, right. just not popular, right. right? And they keep pushing right. and pushing and pushing. Why? Because she's an insider. Right. And insiders are to be cherished. They're and part of the elite. 100%. They're putting their foot on the scale, I think, as bad as the DNC did against Bernie in 2016. By, by feeding this self-perpetuating self loop of propping up the people who are already in power, who then go on their networks and prop them up and they don't have to challenge anything. And they just get to keep having 24 hour catastrophe coverage all day and not ever, they're literally putting their foot on the neck of possible voices that could be changing our politics. The election is not for a year and a half. Why do you only want career politicians and multimillionaires in there as a voice? Why not have a serious outside voice? And clearly I'm serious if you listen to me for five minutes. Right. Uh, by the way, and very funny, Jane. <laughs> well, I know you, brother. Uh, Gleeb2020.com, yes. uh, if you want to help Ben, because uh, you got to get 65,000 people to give you at least a buck to make it on the debate stage. And as you can tell, Ben might uh, do some interesting things on a debate stage. 100%. We only and have three weeks left to qualify. And so I just want to tell everybody this is the democracy challenge that I'm, I'm giving you right now. Forget the ice bucket challenge. For just $1 even, please give what you can afford because we need money to hire more full-time staffers. But even for just $1, if you could do that right now at Gleeb2020.com, you can see if we truly have a voice in our democracy. Is the DNC being serious that 65,000 will qualify me? There's only two spots left. If we can get that in the next week, if everybody watching donates $1 right now, I will qualify and they will have to say I got a debate spot. So or are they gonna come up with some reason why I won't be allowed on there? So Ben, I wanna go to one of your policies that I like the most. And it's exactly the reason why we'd have you on and why a lot of cable news wouldn't have you on. Uh, your idea is apparently to combine white collar prisons with blue collar prisons. Mm -hmm. See, like I feel like cable news would be like, oh, that's not a serious idea. Right. But why isn't it a serious why idea? Why isn't it? Why do we allow people that are far more egregious in what they do to Americans and do to victims of their crimes to stay in a country club jail? That will never change a culture. They're not afraid of being caught. They literally get to go in this revolving door of a fun place. They don't even lock the doors on some of these corporate prisons, mm -hmm. literally. They literally don't, they just check them in and check them out like it's a library, okay? And somebody that sold weed in their neighborhood because they were trying to provide for their family, gets locked up with rapists and murderers, spends their life in a jail where they can get beaten up and worse. 
Someone that hurts thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people's lives, makes their life savings disappear, should be in the worst prison. And maybe we talk about putting regular criminals in there with them. And I guarantee if you want to change the system and you want prison reform, that's how it'll happen. You'll have it in six months, the prison system changed, when those rich corporate dudes are in the same jail and they get to see the system and suffer the system. Okay, well, I, I'd like to add two amendments to your proposal. Please, okay. I'm open uh, to it. And one is make the whoever goes, don't take away the minimum security prisons, just make whoever goes into the minimum or maximum security random. Uh, like <laughs> exception of Unabomber, etc. Right? Of course, they're all going to be in supermax in Colorado. But for the rest of them, okay. Like maybe if you smoke weed and you got busted, you get to go to the pri- country club prison, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? You like want to spin a wheel as your plan? Yeah, spin a wheel, right? <laughs> because then they're going to take it a lot more seriously. And then I'd also like to bust more bankers who are doing criminal fraud. I mean, Deutsche Bank, they paid hundreds of millions of dollars in fines for doing money laundering. Now that's in the past, we already know that. They did it for the Russians, they might have done it for Trump. That we don't know for sure yet, although there's excellent reporting on it. But even the ones that they admitted, okay, so why aren't they going to prison? If you steal 100 bucks in the street, you're gonna go to the worst kind of prison you've ever seen. Deutsche Bank bankers steal hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions, and when they are caught, it's maybe a fine. A fine that doesn't even touch their bottom line in any way. It's complete symbolic gesture. Put them in real jail. That's how you get systemic change. And none of the people running for office are standing for those real systemic changes. They're working at the margins and we don't have time. The degree to which you would get prison reform if bankers started going to maximum security prisons is unbelievable. They'd be fixed within six months, all of them. And that is one of the policies on my website, Glebe2020.com. And I have 13 other positions on my website. And many of the major candidates that are getting these millions of dollars of free coverage are not, don't have any policy positions on their websites. Not one, not a single, Tulsi Gabbard doesn't have an idea on her website for what her campaign stands for. And yet, She's on every show, and I can't get taken seriously. And if more than more than enough people qualify for the sixty-five thousand, then it goes to one percent in the polls. You need both, but I'm not on the polls. They're mm-hmm. not putting my name on those polls. So the only way to actually see if we do still have a government by the people and the citizen government we are supposed to have in this country is if people donate a dollar. And right now we can call Tom Perez, the DNC, and say we just qualified. Am I in? Yeah, so now let me ask you the same thing I asked everybody. How progressive are you? So let's go through the issues. Sure. Medicare for all, yes or no? Yes, but I believe in a combo of Medicare for all with a private sector system that we currently have. I would love to progress to Medicare for all. I think single payer is a wonderful idea, but it's very expensive. And the problem is that baked into Obamacare because it is so complex is that it's so intertwined in so many aspects of our economy. You can't just pull it out. It could be a very serious detriment to our economy very quickly. And it could also hurt access for people under a true full government paid Medicare for all system because it reimburses providers at lower rates. And so you might have coverage in theory, but in rural areas where it's already hard to even reach coverage or reach a doctor, a lot of those offices, doctor's offices and hospitals will have to close because they're now making even less. And people in these rural areas will have to try, travel 500 miles to get yeah. coverage and service. Well, let me challenge so I think you, you have on to that, get ben. to it, please. Because uh, I think that if you have a mixed system, then the private insurance is going to incentivize getting the healthiest and youngest people in the country. And they're going to put all the costs onto the public sector. And then they'll go around saying, hey, look, that was more expensive and we're cheaper. Whereas if 
everyone is under the Medicare system. Well, first of all, everyone is covered and all of it is covered all the way through dental and vision. And then in your rural area example, they can't flee to some private option. So it's not like they're gonna stop being doctors. No, but they can close, they, a lot of them are leaving the business. A lot of doctors are leaving the business even just from Obamacare because they did not get enough of the benefits of everybody being covered they were promised because everybody wasn't covered in the end, even though it was very well intentioned. And so I, I'm absolutely for moving there. I just think you can't do it overnight. And I think that you can also do it based on income. So it's not based on health or sickness, it's based on income levels. And you can cover the people who are most vulnerable, but you make sure that that still should be a random sample that's as representative of sick and health and, and healthy as any other group. Okay. Uh, and by the way, just to be clear, Pramila Jayapal and Bernie Sanders plans both in the House and the Senate do transition, right? They take anywhere from two to four years to transition into Medicare for all. Sure. All right, let's go to Green New Deal. And now that one's a little bit vaguer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, I wish they'd spell it out a little bit clearer. Uh, but what's your uh, take on that? My take is that the planet is in peril, in incredible peril. I believe the UN reports that we have 12 years, if that, to drastically change course. We have to shift off of fossil fuels. We have to reduce the amount of meat that we eat. We have to save the planet and take it very seriously. Like you say, I do wish that the plan was not released in these vague terms saying we're banning all airplanes and saying- Well, they didn't say that to be fair. That, that was uh, the conservatives' uh, misinterpretation of it. It was, never says in the resolution ban airplanes, but there was nor did AOC ever actually say that. But there was vague language in it in the point that it was able to be taken not seriously. The McConnell's able to put it up for the symbolic vote that then makes it seem like even Democrats are against it. It was not presented in the, in the smartest way to get it to be taken seriously. But as a principle, we need a Green New Deal 100%. We must save our planet and I wanna present it in a way that will get conservatives on board as well. Progressives too often frame things, like I said, in polite ways that do not convey the urgency. And then you let the messaging war be won by people that are willing to throw punches. And so instead, you, you frame it as this. You conservatives are supposed to be so tough, right? You're these big, tough dudes. Are you chicken for this fight? Are you afraid to take on the greatest fight of our lives? We need to save the planet. Are you man enough to do it? Are you macho enough to be able to take on this battle? Let's fight. Mm -hmm. Let's fight to save the planet, not we're tree huggers and we're soft and we're trying to be, be environmental, we're trying to save our lives. Yeah, so Ben, I like that kind of talk about fighting and, and challenging the Republicans, but- And the Green New Deal is much more important than, I think it's much better for the country than the Orange New Deal we've had for sure. Yes, I hear you on that too. Uh, so, but uh, do you think that you could persuade Mitch McConnell? Um, because I, I'd be pretty dubious of that. So. Uh, let alone Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, the, the corporate Democrats. So what, what happens if you can't persuade them? Well, you have to rally the country. You have to rally the country so that they are beholden to their constituents. They're always up for reelection and you don't maybe convince these people that are so stuck in their ways and so stuck in their love affair with corporate profits that they won't listen to you, but you go to the people. And I think we need a leader that can rally the people, that can change public sentiment. And you can see significant shifts in the percentages of people then that endorse an idea. And if you get a critical mass, that is when it just becomes unavoidable to shift. And that's what AOC has done so brilliantly. She's just moving the conversation so yeah. much in a place to the left where it is actually changing where we even talk about these issues. Ben, let me press you a little bit more on that. Okay, let's say we've moved the country, and I would argue that we already have. 78% of Americans say climate change is real, mm -hmm. uh, including a significant majority of Republicans. 
Okay, but moving the country is one thing. Moving Manchin and McConnell are a different thing. Okay, you got the huge, let's say it's not 78% anymore, it's 88%. Then what do you do with Manchin and McConnell when they go, I don't give a damn. They don't sign my checks. You just have to have a more unique approach. You have to use Trump's playbook to troll them. If you're fighting for good, you have to troll, you have to shame them, you have to get their constituents to shame them, you have to convince people if you want your grandchildren to have a future, you have to camp out outside of their office, go to Capitol Hill and demand it. You have to take more aggressive tactics to save the planet because we're trying to save the planet. We won't have a place to live. It's not something you can just tweet about or donate $5 and then say, great, I'm good. We have to take more aggressive action. And I think through also it's another area where a comedian is helpful is I'm good at communicating with people with both sides, talking to both sides, finding solutions. I've been hosting a monthly show at, at the Improv and at Politicon. You were on the panel called We the People, where we talk, I moderate a talk with two on the left and two on the right, and we try to find a solution to each issue. And we don't stop until we do. I won't stop until we do. I work hard, I fight hard. And so I'm not gonna just make a speech and then have drinks with the boys and say it's fine. I'm going to fight hard and do everything we can to find every tactic of the internet, of the hive mind we've evolved to be able to move issues and move mountains through the collective consciousness that we've created through the internet. And it's also why net neutrality is so important. We must be able to keep free and steady access for everybody to our one open platform that is our chance to, to aggregate together and mm-hmm. to fight. It's our, yeah. it's our meeting, it's our public market square yeah. that now we have finally where we can all meet. It's also is another note why the Electoral College should be banned is we don't have an issue reaching people anymore. We mm-hmm. can reach everybody, we can talk online in online communities and we can rally the troops for the causes that are the most dire and important of our lives and they're happening now. So uh, Ben, uh, I think shaming the politicians is actually one of the better ideas that I've heard from the candidates. And I'm not kidding, yes. uh, because honestly, most of the other candidates have no plan at all. And they, they treasure their colleagues. Exactly. Uh, I don't treasure their colleagues. That's my point. And, right, and, and no, no one uh, real in the country does. Anyway, but you have another uh, plank that's a little bit unique, which is uh, fighting the robots. Yes. Okay, what do you mean by that? Okay, and one last thought on, on the last thing you just mentioned is, is uh, that's another reason why an outsider is so important. We never have a true outsider in this race, in the race for president in our, converse, in our national conversation. And so they're all friends with all the guys that they work with and, and ladies that they work with. So they fight to a point and they go to lunch with them. And that's not what you need. I don't have any billionaire buddies. I don't have anybody, no backdoor partnerships in Washington I'm beholden to. I literally can just fight for everyday Americans, which I am one of. Comics are not known for their great wealth. They're known for traveling the country and hanging with people after shows. Um, so stopping the robots. Firstly, um, I think it's a joke and it's laughable that we, if it weren't so sad and scary, that we have just decided without a debate or any sort of fight that we're just going to let the robots have their way with any industry that we want. Like it sounds silly, but it's not. Andrew Yang, his whole presidency, his whole campaign for the presidency is based on one simple thing giving universal basic income of $1,000 a month to people because industries are going to disappear. But people don't make $12,000 a year in these industries. It mm-hmm. does nothing to solve the problem he's addressing. Everybody's like, this is great because we're afraid the robots are gonna take our jobs. Why is no politician standing for not letting the robots take our jobs? So obviously there's some degree you're not gonna be able to stop automation in certain industries or certain parts of certain industries. But we need to have a value of human workers. We need to have a value that the human workforce in our country is something we cherish and fight for wherever we can. 
And that's not being discussed. So Andrew Yang goes on Joe Rogan and he says, I talked to a room full of, of uh, CEOs and industry leaders and said, how many of you plan to automate away your workforce in the next 10 years? And they all laughed and said, us, so it's coming. Well, no, that's what a president can do is stop it from coming or slow it from coming, or at least have a conversation that protects and defends people's jobs. And so that's what I would do. And in instances when you have to allow automation in just because market forces become so much that other countries are surpassing us in that particular field, we have to adapt. You then maybe allow workers to buy into that process. So if you have to automate trucks, I don't personally want highways with all self-driving trucks. But if that's where we have to go, maybe you allow the, the truck drivers to own their trucks, to maintain their trucks, so then they can still have a piece of the pie and not be in this vast jobless wasteland. There have to be ways where we have part a major part of our conversation, not just be about how do we get the most profits, it's about how can we protect people. I don't wanna live in an America where there's no people at stores, there's no retail workers, there's no cashiers, and there's no drivers behind the cars. And so we'll go there if we have to, and we will make sure that everybody that has those jobs has a soft place to land, and we will take care of them. Not just, it's coming, so you're gonna lose your job, so here's $1,000 a month, good luck not having enough money to survive. That's no. not a viable solution. And not to mention, just in general, we need this debate globally because America has, even though we don't pay what we should, and we have to move to a living wage, because people need to be able to pay to live, that seems like a pretty important concept. But we have been able to pay better than a lot of third world countries that make a lot of the goods that we enjoy, and we're still the richest country in the world. So if we're the richest, we're being able to pay well, we can also be the richest while keeping certain human workforces at their jobs and not have robots everywhere. Because if you've seen any science fiction story ever, when the robots take over, it does not end good, Jenk. <laughs> they, they, they usually don't set up a utopia for us. No, they don't. Ben Glebe, finally a president that'll fight the robots. Yes, indeed. All right, Glebe2020.com is the website, and he needs his buck from you, okay? Yeah, take the democracy challenge. Please donate just a dollar or whatever you can afford because we need money. If you can do it right now, we can qualify for the debates. Is our democracy real or not? Is it by the people or not? All right, Ben, thank you for joining us. Thank appreciate you so it. much for having right. me, Jake. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, uh, when we come back, you guys get to ask us anything, as long as you're a member. TYT.com slash join. But everybody's going to watch, uh, so don't go anywhere. Stay right here. It's free for, and available for everyone. And both YouTube members and TYT members get to ask questions. We'll be right back. <laughs> 